Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. Today, Horace joins me on the show to talk about what an entry by Apple into the mobility market would look like and why a car is perhaps the wrong form factor to be looking at. We talk through the gross prospects for micromobility and why Apple's entry into the market would be a meaningful contribution. In terms of news, we have the Micromobility World Conference coming up. If you're listening to this, you are going to love the conference we have from the 27th to the 29th of January 2021. We have some of the biggest names in the world of owned and shared micromobility, including the CEO of Lime, disruptive innovation experts, including Gene Munster and Benedict Evans, leaders in urban design like Jeanette Siddiq Khan, and investing gurus from the industry coming together to talk about how we can supercharge the micromobility revolution. Tickets are available on micromobility.io and include the option for a VIP tier for curated community participation and exclusive workshops for industry participants. If you're in the industry, this is the best opportunity you'll have to meet and connect with others in this space. Register at micromobility.io. It is going to be awesome. And with that, I also want to thank our sponsor for the episode, Christensen Group, a lead player in the micromobility insurance category. As the micromobility space continues to grow around the world with a diverse spectrum of business models, Christensen Group is a leader in the space servicing e-scooter, moped, motorcycle, e-bike sharing operations along with subscription and private based programs, working with manufacturers and AI technology partners and more. They will have a virtual booth at this year's Micromobility World event and they invite you to stop by and have a chat with them about safety, fundraising, regulatory requirements and the trends in the risk and insurance marketplace or whatever else is on your mind. They will have folks from Zagster, Zipcar, Ford Mobility and others dropping by their booth to also discuss litigation trends, regulatory missteps, fundraising and startup strategies. Thank you again to the Christensen Group for their continued support of the podcast and micromobility industries. It's great to have you involved. And with that, here's Horace. All right, and welcome back to Micromobility. We have with us today Horace. How are you, Horace? Hey, I'm doing great. Nice to hear you. Yeah, um, we're in, in Finland, I take it. Lockdown. Yes. COVID. Yes. Yes. Middle it's, of winter. It's 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 uh, it's snowing and or snowy and um, yeah, we're having a proper winter here, so it's great. Nice. Um, Excellent. Well, look, we've got a couple of things I want to cover off on uh, this episode. Uh, It's the first we've had in a little while. Um, One is that we have Micromobility World next week um, and you will be doing a couple of sessions. um, And I thought maybe you'd want to just quickly talk through uh, who you're doing those with and and what you're excited about with that. Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm going to have Benedict Evans as a guest and we're going to talk about a big picture stuff um, future of transport uh, the role of autonomy i mean in general as in how will that affect the industry you know how how do we think about uh ways of you know the models that we can think of and conceptually about about you know the future of of mobility in general and then so he's sort of a 
you know, very high level thinker at the highest level, if you will. And, and, and is a sort of a philosopher of technology and a historian of technology. So, so I think he would be a great uh, person to sort of, he's not necessarily a micro person. So it's nice to sort of get his take on, on, on micro mobility, you know, as, as, as someone who's looking at it from the outside. Uh, yep. Next we have, um, actually we have a pair of people. Um, uh, one is uh, Gene Munster and mm-hmm. um, he'll be joined by uh, someone you, who you may not have heard of, but, but is certainly for some people quite a, quite a well-known re- resource, which is uh, Sam Chorus from ARK Invest. And um, Sam is, of course, be, being in the ARC, they're one of the biggest bulls on Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, I've done a podcast with him uh, at their offices in New York uh, a couple of years back. Introduction, my introduction to, to micromobility when they were uh, beginning to, to sort of, the, when it was still an early stage. Um, and so we want to get his take on, on, uh, on how to think about Micromobility and Tesla, which are actually somewhat oil and water right now, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 all you know coming along with that um, is in equal parts hopefully um, going to be Gene Monster, who I've had a few interactions publicly about, also about Apple and Tesla, and um, I know he's a big fan of cycling and. Uh, fitness so I'm, I'm hoping he can also chime in as an investor uh as sort of a public equity investor more more than private but certainly as an investor to to sort of think about micromobility so we have an interesting possible dynamic there with uh with tesla coming in into kind of from left field and um and also the the history of of uh investors from you know how 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 would a public investor look at this story right someone coming from wall street for example yeah. And finally, uh, sort of um, a newcomer to the space, I think, in terms of our public uh, interaction, will be Hrag Sarkisian. Sarkisian, I hope I got the accent correctly on that second, um, second name. Uh, Hrag is the founder of the first e-scooter motorsport league. This is the idea of, of racing and um, competition, with with uh, with electric scooters and po- possibly other me- other forms of transport in the future, but this is starting off as as um, as the scooter race to 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 keep an eye on. And yeah. so, I, since I'm such a huge advocate of motorsport as kind of the the way to legitimize and popularize the the you know, sort of the mainstream view of micromobility, I think he's a great a resource to sort of help us think through how that's going to go to market. So um, very, very great guy out of Beirut, Lebanon, and um, really want to dive into the whole aspect of uh, of uh, competition in in micromobility as far as you know the sporting side of things. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm very excited for all of those sessions, but most for that session on e-scooter and uh, motorsport because having having chatted to the team, um, I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to bring, well, bringing them on the podcast very soon um, to talk about what they're doing. But they're, they're a very talented team coming from uh, a whole range of different motorsport disciplines. Um, but really see... The oh, yeah. I mean, these guys are Formula E, Formula E, Grand Prix, Formula One. Um, yeah. Teams FIA, out of the UK, yeah. uh, great, great. Uh, you know, they've got spokespersons who are themselves 
Formula E and Formula One uh, drivers. Uh, so th it's an amazing, uh, an amazing team there that that really knows what they're doing. So I'm hoping that's the right team. And you know, I've been social. Let's say I've, I've been socializing this idea for a while, and I, I'm so happy to see them being uh, the ones who picked up the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, and, and in the wider context of the other things that are going on in that session uh, at, at, at Micromobility World, we'll also have Jeanette Sadiq Khan, who was the uh, in, is the head of the New York um, New York City Department of Transport uh, and Streets, while she was while uh, Bloomberg was mayor and led the pedestrianisation of Times Square and other things. Um, we have a number of sessions with. Uh, uh, investors uh, talking about capital, but also as well about things like supply chains. We've got Puneeth, who was on the podcast recently. He'll be doing a session along with Riley, um, specifically looking at kind of deeper, a deeper look at the at the supply chain, which people will be able to jump in and ask questions on. And um, and then we have obviously uh, Wayne Ting, who's the CEO of Lime, and a number of pitch coaches for companies that I'm incredibly excited about. Um, that uh, I'm, yeah. I mean, the programming. I was going through it yesterday with uh, with our team, and it's 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 amazing. I mean, there's some incredible presentations in there. So, if you are interested in coming and joining us, it runs for three days, uh, four hours a day, uh, from the 27th to the 29th. Um, just go register at micromobility.io uh, and come and join us. Ah, excellent. Okay, well, there, yes, there we go. So that's the that's the pitch, um, and uh, yeah. But look, today, uh, Horace, I wanted to dig into uh, a recent blog post that you did uh, called "Apple Quote Unquote Computer," uh, which you published on the Micromobility.io blog, um, and we will um, I will link to it in the show notes. But I thought maybe what we could do is if you just take us through, you know, the, the kind of the general argument about why, I mean, it starts, the rumors are ramping up again about Apple's entry into the transportation business. And I mean, the long history for anybody who's been following the show for a while is that you started a SIM car back in 2012, 2013, mm -hmm. uh, which was a podcast that kind of preceded this because you thought that Apple was going to get into the, into the car business. And you spent a long time looking at that and you kind of came to a thesis that maybe that wasn't going to be where it was going to be. And that's why we're doing micromobility and why we're talking about micromobility. Right. You reached out to me because of a SIM car, actually. Yeah. Yep. So um, I thought maybe what we can do is, do you want to just sort of take us through you know, I think there's a sort of an overarching, everybody's talking about an Apple car, but maybe how you've thought about it. And we can go through the, the uh, go through the post in some ways and your argument there. And then I'll, I'll jump in with questions. Sure. Um, again, these stories are on the surface. I mean, the car story, the tech story, the micro story, they are all parallel universes. Uh, the car industry whether it's going through its own bifurcation into electric and, and non-electric or whether those two are going to become one, uh, whether that's disruptive or whether that's sustaining. Um, there's a great debate there, where, whether Apple should enter, how it should enter, when it should enter, what's the purpose of their entry, etc. Plus, not just Apple, but like, you know, Google's made their bets on autonomy. They've certainly backed with billions of dollars Waymo. We've got other players potentially still on the sidelines or, or dabbling as Amazon might be in, in using uh, either electric or, or autonomy to improve their core business. Um, and we're going to see more and more debates about whether the traditional tech companies, actually Sony just announced at CES their entry with a prototype, if not, you know, concept car 
of their own. So you've got all of these sort of collisions between technology and automotive, which again, I sense was happening already six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, uh, when we started with, with, with uh, a SIM card. Just at that time, it was more just a, a, a brainstorming, sort of a, a free association. What does this all mean? What are the potential dr dramas unfolding here? Um, autonomy was also, you know, still a, an ongoing research then, and, and it's been developed since. And finally, we've got micro. Micro is this new, completely new potential uh, uh, universe, new new um, galaxy of, of activity that uh, that seems again independent of the other two. But in the in this piece about Apple, I thought of sort of maybe actually showing how much how much these three are really about the same job to be done. Really, at the end of the day, you're saying whether the machine is small or big, whether it's fast or slow, whether it's one person or multiple, whether it's cargo or personal or shared or not. At the end of the day, what we're looking for is to connect with one another. And which this was the this was the whole problem of of uh, communication networks and in sort of telephony followed by cellular telephony followed by smartphones. Um, with with uh, messaging layered on top of all that, with now social media la layered on top of that as well, leading to new communities and all these other things. So the the, the thing was that you know a hundred years ago we wanted to connect with one another uh, using a again um, a voice type of uh, connection, but growing into video. But we also need to physically come closer, and this is what 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 transportation is about, you know, moving bits as opposed to just, uh, sorry, moving atoms as opposed to just bits. And um, and so what is really going on with Apple and, and kind of the way they would approach this? I, I'm, I'm sort of assuming I'm, I'm take, putting on the hat of as an Apple, um, you know, uh, either either manager or, or sort of uh, analyst. Um, to, to think about the, the, what's Apple's role in this. One of the things that strikes you when you study Apple historically, and this is why I called it Apple Computer, is mm. because that's what, that's what they do. They do computation. They do machines that compute. Steve Jobs said the computer is like a bicycle for the mind. It is the best machine we've ever invented. Uh, it certainly is, is this sort of... Um, this uh, bionic tool that that enhances our mind power and it's fascinating it's been a wonderful story to to follow that for for uh, you know nearly 50 years now mm -hmm. um but the thing that um that i would point out is when you think about computation as what they deliver and to the extent that the computation makes transportation better certainly computation has made uh, you know, media better, computation has made communications better, and computation has made entertainment of all kinds, and, uh, and, and again, social uh, networks and all these other things that have emerged because of computers, right? There's a hmm. famous, you know, Moore's Law and, and the microprocessor and the revolution that followed. And so, when I, you know, and on, on the back of the M1, and now people are saying that the, the Apple is going to come out with a C1. This came out of an opinion piece on, on IEEE magazine, which is an engineering journal. And, and you know, the idea was oh, that there would be... Oh, is this the idea be, of the dedicated uh, Apple, like a dedicated Apple chip for cars? Right, right. Well, the yeah. assumption being that, you know, they have dedicated chips for, uh, for devices, for, uh, you know, uh, wearables. 
and 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 certainly computers. So you have the M series are for the Mac, the A series are for the for the phones, and why not have a C series for uh, for cars? And whether that would be their own car only, as is the case with the other devices, or whether they would somehow find a way to modularize it and, and sell it, that's that remains to be the uh, determined. But my question is like, okay, Apple as a computation supplier and 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 of course many many other things on top but fundamentally what would be what would be their value add and when i thought about it and and i said okay especially rumors are now coming in thick and fast about partnerships with hyundai um Mm -hmm. and 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 you know there were years ago partnership uh, you know uh, uh potential with with bmw and and so on and so on so my, my question is, what is really the logic of computing in this in this sector? Do we really need a machine with the the amount of computation power that you know supercomputers need? And what would mm-hmm. they do? You know, what would the C one do all the time? You know, what would be comp- crunching at all these numbers? Um, and and so the answer typically leads us to autonomy and leads us to somehow because the car as it is is pretty good and it doesn't need more. F- horsepower does it what it needs to be is probably safer and nobody's really doing that right now i hope apple does consider that to be job one as opposed to sort of taking a nap um it's it's to enhance our our ability to well not die on the way to our destination or not to kill anyone um so um so that's the uh that that was sort of the beginning is that how how do you want to think it through uh further i mean um that that's my that's my first impression. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, so so the in this this episode or in this uh, blog post, what you've kind of what you did is that you said, look, the, the logical reason is that they would get into this is because the size of the market is so massive, right? And I think that was your original argument back when we right. were looking so, at the uh, Yeah, there's some graphs. Cars are massive, it, um, relatively speaking, well, because they've got a huge amount of revenue in that in that sector relative to everything else that uh, Apple plays. If in. you count, yeah, if you count units of production meaning devices or shipped devices shipped cars shipped um, uh, wearables tablets etc there's a graph there which shows just like how big the smartphone business is relative to even personal computers i mean it's it's just unbelievably uh, very very uh, huge number there it's over uh, one and a half billion units a year now whereas the car mm-hmm. industry is less than 100 million it's about 60 to 80 depending on the year um and and then but then you you need to take that unit number and multiply by the value of each unit sold and that gives you a sales number so for example obviously a car on average is going to be 30 30,000 let's say whereas a phone is on average $300 so obviously the, the when you when you multiply it by the value the car industry actually looks a lot bigger and um, and then you can start to say, okay, smartphones turn out to be like number two, but micro mobility is actually because although today the volumes um, aren't as big as cars, they're growing pretty fast. In fact, um, my estimate was that micro mobility, if you include motorcycles, is is actually today even larger in volume than the car industry is. Of course, there's a there's uh, a, the price the price of a micro mobility vehicle is is not going to be uh, you, you know it's probably two orders of magnitude. So instead of looking at thirty thousand, you're probably looking at you know under one thousand. 
Um, yep. And and so then you you know you did this multiplication. You're trying to estimate the overall market. So what's attractive to a to an entrant? Is it you know can we just ship a lot of a lot of units, or can we get a lot of income from this? And, and, and next, you have to ask yourself, what share can we obtain from this? Now, the other thing that came out of this, uh, this analysis was that Apple's share, and, and this is, again, visualized in this, um, in this blog post, Apple's share in my smartphones, personal computers, tablets, and wearable is significant. Now, it's not a majority in any of those, um, but it is actually the most desirable quintile, if you will, which is 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's the most desirable chunk of the market is, is, is theirs, and those people tend to spend 80% of the money. So this is the 80-20 rule applied. 20% of the volumes, 80% of the revenues, probably close to 90% of the profits in, the, in, the, in all of these sectors. They're the most profitable PC maker, the most profitable tablet maker, the most profitable smartphone. That's just a ratio of percentage of, of profit, but rather actually capturing the majority of the profit in the whole space, right? All the mm-hmm. available pools of money. And so when you look at that, plus services, by the way, which is a layer on top of that, which is extremely profitable, um, you look at that and you say, wow, Apple is really killing it. So what would it take to be a part of the car industry or the micro? Let's let's say these were the two options on the table. So if Apple were to enter in the car industry, my assertion is that given the history of Tesla, which has taken now 15 years to reach half a million units of production, now not to say mm-hmm. Apple will be the same speed or the same rate to grow, but the, the, the point is that it does always take a long time, often longer than you expect. Car industry is slow. We talked about this many times before. You know, the, we, the, the, using the phrase, "the faster you go, the slower it goes," um, and and so the in terms of the speed of the vehicle, yeah, the faster the vehicle, the the, 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 cycles, the slower yeah, yeah. the development and the slower the cycle of the of the of that category. And when you think about that, it's like it's very tough to break into the car industry. And the reason that Apple has such good share of profit on all the other industries or categories it competes in is because it created most of them. It actually created the smartphone by itself. Uh, it created the personal computer, although you know later it lost the battle, but it's sort of still a big player in it. And actually nowadays is growing the fastest of all. Mm-hmm. Um, it created the tablet market. It created the wearables market. And again, in services, it probably defines also kind of what the bundle should be today. And so when you think about that, it, 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 again, you've got two candidates, micromobility and automobility. And you ask yourself, all right, how many years does it take to get in? Of course, you begin with the size of it. This is called the total addressable market or the TAM. Start looking at oh, how many trillions are involved. Wow, it's a huge mm-hmm. number. Okay, but we gotta fight our our you know fight for a piece of the action unless it completely crumbles somehow and lets us take over all the all the market share. I don't see that happening. You know, although maybe Tesla is already priced as if that were happening. I'm yeah. still on the fence. <laughs> yeah about that and we you know we can get into that because at the end i conclude with uh, with with this paradox of tesla is that when you look at the fact that give their market share which is very insignificant um the their valuation is currently bigger than the entire industry put together that was a crucial point where effectively you know it's worth more than everybody else put together uh you know because it kept growing beyond any one company then it grew beyond uh, sort of the top three then it was the top five that's the top ten and so but the thing is that if you and i looked at this and i said wow that's impressive but then i i started going back and asking did the others 
values collapse did if you go to see the Toyota stock price or you go to see GM stock price or you all throughout this last year when 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 Tesla increased 10x if you mm -hmm. look at any of the existing car makers and you stack them up and you actually realize that their share prices have actually gone up so the market cap of the entire industry X Tesla is going up creeping up slowly not not nothing phenomenal but it's not collapsing uh, it's certainly, uh, and it's it's not even flat. It's actually increasing, which means that when when Tesla grew to be as big as everybody else put together, the entire industry doubled in value in one mm -hmm. year. So that in mm -hmm. one year, we, let's say, went from being worth eight hundred billion dollars to being worth one point six trillion. The entire industry. And so I asked the question. Well. You know, obviously, some in, some people are betting on Tesla. Some people keeping their bets on on the other players, but for the industry to absorb, uh, or rather, to deliver on 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 this promise of of market value, it would have to deliver a lot of profits into the future. And mm -hmm. where would those come from? So either, you know, the, is the industry really going to double? Now, that actually is an existential threat question, because if the industry, possibly they're both right. Possibly Tesla does create an entire new industry on top of the auto industry, and the existing industry sort of, you know, muddles along for a while. Um, and, and so the world does spend twice as much on cars or gives them twice the profits. And that's the that's a real question because you know I think if you are a bull about automotive in general, remember I said as Apple is looking at this, maybe Apple looks at this and says, hey, if Tesla can come in and double, maybe we can come in and triple the mm -hmm. the auto industry, right? Because we can gain maybe another trillion dollars in market capitalization just by showing up. We don't have to deliver a lot of vehicles. Tesla doesn't deliver a lot of vehicles, but they doubled. So if we come in, we could triple. But still, again, at the end of the day, someone has to deliver this profit to you in order to justify this market cap. So it, there's some paradoxes involved here. So in uh, this has been discussed on Twitter a few times now. You could argue that that one camp is right and one is wrong. So Tesla could be right and everybody else could be wrong. And so all these other automakers ought to be worth zero. But then again, yes. if you're Apple computer, you step in and you say, hmm, well, that means we have to fight with Tesla. Maybe we don't have to fight with these guys, but we have Tesla because right right now the market is assuming that Tesla is going to, you know, sell a hundred million cars in a few years, which is what the yep. stock price would suggest. But then you start step back and say, well, what can we do better than Tesla? I mean, Tesla is pretty good at what they do, right? I mean, the, everybody agrees. Um, and so, you know, no matter how you slice the auto auto option here, the the uh, not the micro mobility, but the automobility, no, no matter how you slice it, you run into some obstacles, some really tough logical questions. Can you gain share in the existing market? Can you bump off the existing makers? Can you actually out Tesla Tesla? Can you actually create a whole new industry on top of the existing one? Where is that money gonna come from? How do you get people to spend 30, 40, 50, 60,000 one year and then 100,000 the next year? That's what you're yep. saying. So let me, let me then point out, that, so I, I kind of concluded that if you look at micromobility, it feels like all the other categories that Apple has ever created. It looks like the tablet industry because when they came in, the tablets already existed. It looks like the smartphone industry because it is embryonic. It's at little, you know, it's at at two percent or even less. In the case of micro, when when Apple came into smartphones, by the way, I was at Nokia. BlackBerry was around. We were making millions of smartphones into the market, but that was nothing compared to the billions that needed to be made and ultimately did get made. But those millions that, that were ex existing, 
you know, it felt like, you know, this this is this is the market, right? And Apple stepped in and just completely blew up the, the category. Now, can they do that with cars? No. Can they do that with micro? Yes, micro is still early and small enough for someone big to come in and say, okay, I'm gonna remake it in my image. Now, okay, I'm sorry, I, I just went on too long, but feel free to sort of butt in No, now. no, no, this, but, is, this, is, this is like you've, you've, you've effectively uh, condensed your entire argument down into one uh, very pithy point, which is this, is this makes the most logical sense. And I think that the end part, just, just so we can kind of sum up exactly what you say in this, uh, in this blog post, and then I'll kind of start asking questions here, is that um, you say, look, Apple could get into auto and it could get into micromobility. It makes way more sense for it to get into micromobility, especially around this idea of being able to deliver smiles rather than miles and how do we think about this and, and wider. And I also actually, I want to go back to that, the part where we started, which was kind of more esoteric, which is Apple at the end of the day is a computation company. It's, you know, it's there to create a, a meaningful contribution in the industry that it's going to enter and that it's bringing in a computer. It's bringing in a computer that looks like something else. Um, and, and, I, and I'm just kind of curious because we've talked a lot about in, in the past maybe uh, what micromobility uh, could look like if you start adding a, making a smartphone on wheels and adding computation. But I'm just, you know, if we go a little bit further down this road, what, what can you see where Apple, like, what would be the most logical entry for Apple in a micromobility play? If, if, would it make well, it, would I think it, this is, okay, this is a very difficult question. I'm not able to answer it because it is like asking when 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 apple looked at the the categories smartphone. that ended up being smart or tablet smartphone yes. or tablet then then they didn't they just said hey wouldn't it be cool if we could interact with touch instead of a stylus or a keyboard or a mouse and this is what they they came up with is their their focus i gave a talk about this years and years ago and it's like you you look at the great leaps forward that apple took where, where when they integrated into a new user user experience, in particular, a new input method. So the, even the Apple II was about integration of the keyboard into what used to be a very modular, sort of clumsy way of interacting with, with computers, personal computers. Um, and then, then they created this integrated keyboard and box, which, which only needed a monitor, and that was the Apple II. And when you go forward to the Macintosh, they they said, okay, a mouse is the best metaphor for for manipulating objects on screen, not a keyboard or a joystick. So then they came with the mouse, and that boom, that created all the graphical user interfaces. So on one side there was the Mac and Mac OS, and on the other was Windows, which replicated a lot of that functionality. Then in 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 a, a few years later, for the for the laptop market to take off they integrated first the trackball then they integrated the the uh, touchpad which allowed you know the same you know mousing experience but without the physical mouse then they came to a scroll wheel to be able to interact quickly with with long long lists which was necessary for the for the uh, iPod and that boom that created a whole new category right so you see them sort of creating the personal computer the graphical user interface the laptop computer, the scrolling device, which ended up being a music device, and then they got into 
building a touch interface which they ignored the styluses which had been brewing for over 15 years at the time and they jumped straight to a finger or, or, or touch uh, multi-touch and uh, capacitive touch and all those other uh, things which now we're so accustomed to swiping and pinching and mm -hmm. zooming and all that stuff so notice what what was the the, the linchpin to all of these entries was uh, oh, and by the way, you can also talk about uh, uh, watches, which were the next step forward. And there, it was actually a combination of the digital crown plus the touch plus the sensing, including you know the tilt sensing, which were which were uh, uh, gyroscopic sensing. And then we ended up also with with the ear pods, sort of in ear, and really the very very personal uh, connection to the user, and as almost passive connection, so that it, it detects and speaks to you without you having to do anything else. So you have Siri as well layered on top of all of these things. Now, so this is about user interaction. This is about user input to the computer, and and possibly also output back to the user. So this is these were the the things which created not just Apple's categories but created new platforms. The mouse mm -hmm. begat the mouse begat the graphical user interface, which again begat Windows, which changed the world. The scroll wheel begat iTunes, which became a new content platform. It became a whole new way of consuming things, which led to streaming much later, but still that was a huge, huge leap forward. It was the enabler was the scroll wheel. Then you get into the touch and obviously the ecosystems around uh, touch interfaces now, which spawned iOS and Android, which are each over a trillion dollar in, in, in transaction value on top of the hardware. Unbelievable mm -hmm. oceans of money have been created because of these changes in the way we interact with computers. So the only thing I can say, without any specificity though, is that they would have to come in with a new way of interaction with the machine. Now, whether they choose to bring that knowledge, that ability to change our, our, our relationships with machines to the automobility or the micromobility. Now, it could be that if you frame it this way, that they actually are pretty agnostic about the, the vessel that contains this new inter and interaction. If the vessel is small, perhaps it's micro. If the vessel is large, perhaps it's auto. But it's, I, I don't want to make any judgment right now. I think it's possible also, by the way, that it is an iterative process where they start with, let's say, a large vessel and they eventually decide, hey, we can actually miniaturize this and tweak it to, the, to, to such an extent that we can make it on a small vessel. So it looks like they start with the big thing, but they end up at the small thing because, you know, the walking stage before the running stage, that sort of thing. Bearing in mind also that the development of the iPhone was preceded by the development of the iPad because in the laboratory, you know, actually the very first interactions were with a projector on their ceiling, projecting onto mm -hmm. a table so that the Mac was running the, the, the user interface. So it was a huge, huge contraption that, would, you know, that, that had to be miniaturized. And the first level of miniaturization was to the tablet. But due to m market considerations, due to timing considerations and a bunch of other things, they actually launched the iPhone before they launched the iPad. And, and, and but, but I'm sure Steve Jobs, when he was first thinking along with his team, like how do we make the next leap forward in UX? He said, okay, it's gonna be touched, but obviously the right size is this tablet size because it's got plenty of room for us to play with. But it turned out that the pocket was really much more attractive. So 
maybe if, if you think about Apple's entry, sort of saying, okay, we have a new way to really bond with, or maybe there's no, no, no new way possible. You know, it, it would have to be a really ch- clever thing to think of. But then, then uh, they, they, they said, okay, let's, let's put this in the car first and see how it works, right? And then once we refine it in the car, then we're going to move it to a, a mini car. And then from a mini car, then to a micro car. And then from the micro car, maybe into the vehicle that we actually, of course, prefer, which is the micro mobility vehicle. But again, from their point of view, maybe does it, they're somewhat agnostic on the final form factor. Um, I hope the, 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 the physics would, would convince them that the, you know, this is the fastest way to, to not only being carbon neutral, but actually being carbon mm-hmm. negative, which is actually, uh, as far as like, let me pause now and say, that you know, Apple is a is a company that that wants to do good. And, you know, it's not about just not doing evil. Apple wants to do good, and then this is clearly a, not so much Jobs, but but Tim Cook. So he wants to change the world for the better. He wants to leave it better than he found it. Okay, fine. So he's doing the first initiative was like we're going to be carbon neutral as far as our 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 own campuses, our own stores, and then we're going to be carbon neutral as as far as our own supply chain. Think about that. They're actually implementing the second level of of neutrality. Now, if you if you were if I were to pitch Apple today, I would say with an entry into computation, you can actually create a carbon negative situation where you're cre- you're actually absorbing carbon from the atmosphere. Now we have to think about how to do that, but fundamentally they could become a, cre- a carbon uh, a creditor, in which case they could say, well, our next ambition, let's say we've become neutral, our next ambition is to erase all the carbon that our company has ever put out there. Now that would be a worthy goal. And mm. how do you achieve it, right? And you say, well, we're going to deliver on transportation because transportation is one of the greatest sources. And in fact, the only one that's still increasing in terms of its carbon impact. And how do you do best in that, in that, on those key metrics? Again, micro beats it by a mile, you know, so. Yeah, there was, a, um, there was, a, there was an article put out uh, about a week ago, which is, uh, which I'll link to, but it was in the micromobility newsletter where, where someone makes the argument that if we really were serious about climate change in the US, we would buy everybody an electric moped because hmm. the emissions net net over the entire life of the vehicle and everything else shows that you would have about one fifth or one, one, one fifth to one sixth of the emissions of a car. And you can go, if you get everybody riding on them, then generally you can probably make that a lot safer and you can build better dedicated infrastructure and all this sort of stuff for it. But you need the kind of critical mass. But if we were to do that and everybody rode electric mopeds, that would be the fastest way for us to rapidly reduce emissions, which is why I got into micromobility in the first place. And I totally agree exactly. with you. Exactly. I think I, so I guess myself. My, yeah. 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 I guess my, the question that I have around that is, is, you know, I agree with you around the form factor and whether or not they'd start with a car and shift down to something that's in micro. Um, the one thing that I always think about is the overall experience. Like I remember the first time I used a Mac. I remember the first time I used an iPhone, um, and that and it, and it felt. You know, there's something super intangible about the the just the, the the quality of that of the, of that experience um, that it feels materially different. Like they've mm-hmm. they've got it, and yet. The thing that I can feel that's going to be a challenge for them, especially when you think about something like um, a vehicle that's going to be out on the road, is that you're, you're, they have far less control over the entirety of, the, of, the, of, the, of that experience in terms of how it feels um, because you're interacting with everything else on the road. 
Um, and if you yes, if they were yes. to develop a bike, and then all of a sudden people try and ride a bike, they'll be they'll be drawn. To, it will be very quickly illuminated to them that the infrastructure, quote unquote, isn't there. Um, that the you know they, it would work in certain areas, but not in others. Um, I just you know I, Look, I the, wonder the a challenges lot about are, how are, feel are indeed, about that. Yeah, the challenges are indeed extraordinarily daunting. Um, but you know, it, Alan Kay who is a pioneer of computer science, mm. Alan Kay said some point in history, I don't remember when, uh, something, and I, I'm going to you know, totally butcher this, but he said something to the effect that if you can make a computer the size of a tablet, uh, then, then you'll conquer the world, something to that effect. And they envisioned mm. this in probably in the 60s or 70s when, when nobody had even a personal computer. Um, and, and apparently after the iPad was launched, he, you know, he sent a note or he met Steve Jobs and said, well, you've done it. But he, it took that many decades. Again, it's easy to be a visionary and say, well, what we need is, is a tablet computer. That is the way people will naturally interact with computers, at least before we get voice working. So, so forget about all these other um, intermediary steps of keyboards and mice and trackpads and joysticks and scroll wheels. Forget those are, are, are all going to be obsoleted by touch. Um, now, I put it the same way now. It's like we are at this point of the 70s, maybe, hopefully it's a bit faster than that, but where we, we are sort of saying, look, fundamentally, humans are going to get around in machines that are sized appropriately for the job at hand, whether it's mm -hmm. the distance or the person's size. You know, it's not going to be take me to my destination in a 3,000 pound or, or 1,500 kilogram vehicle, take me to my destination in something that weighs less than I do, which is normal, it's natural, it's logical. Um, and then you say, okay, and on the way, I want to be able to experience something phenomenal beyond simply sitting there, which is again, the, the, you know, it's not about just compu computing, isn't just about crunching numbers and getting to your servers and, and connecting to, to databases. Computation became a very highly personal thing. It became highly, much more uh, uh, sort of our lives, our lives embedded in this machine, and and so that's neat. that's the level of ambition, and perhaps we're just so early that all we're seeing is the final necessary outcome, but we're not seeing the road there. And I think that many steps will come before we get there. And that's been always this ambition about the. The, the the our micromobility thesis is again totally. coming coming back to microcomputing as a thesis like what's the bloody point of having a microprocessor on a circuit board what is it what what's that all about then that's where yeah. we are today so anyway i, I, I don't I'm know gonna how. Posit, i'm going to posit that i think one of the technologies that i that i think will will be a very pivotal technology going forward that is enabled by micromobility or a lot easier to do with micromobility is tilting in the vehicle the ability to tilt as it goes around that so similar to the toyota iroad mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. because it's so it's uh when you know at the moment people who ride on a bike as you tilt around a corner that's what makes it fun and it also reduce you know as you're going around corners it reduces the feeling of the lateral g so it actually is a far more comfortable journey and iroad has kind of like proven that to be well it, it looks like a really fun vehicle to go ride but nobody's actually brought that to market and yeah, it allows the vehicle this, to be a lot the, tighter and narrower and it's, so an, and much, it's particularly well suited for uh electric powertrains 
So there's so much opportunity here to change the sensory aspect of travel. We can change the mental aspect. We can change the, the, the choices of destinations. We can change whether you want to go slow or fast. The assumption now is we want to go fast everywhere, go fast. Well, someone clever once said, you know, the, 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 the best part of the journey is not getting there, but you know, the, 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 the journey itself. Um, mm -hmm. And so th there's a lot more to this as far as, as, as what, what people will feel they're getting out of the, the, the experience and sort of what their job ultimately may change because of what you put in front of them. And this has always kind of been, it was there the job to be done of the smartphone evident at the time when it was created? And the answer is no, because you can see when they launched it, they put a litany of of um, of things you can do with it, and none of those turned out to be the most popular things. It was going to be a widescreen iPod, it was going to be an internet communicator, it was going to be a phone, and 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 those were the sort of the tentpole features. But those three things aren't what we end up. So in other words, we're not using it as an iPod. We're not using it as a as a as a browser and we're not using it as a phone as as anywhere near the top three things we use with the smartphone for today mm -hmm. uh, we, we do those things but they're not the most popular things that are done with phones so the thing that it's tempting now to say okay we know what people will get out of micro mobility we know what people will get out of this new revolutionary type of transport but they'll f will s discover new things. I mean, you know, I've been saying it for a while. But within the context of Apple's here, I think that the my 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 sort of my challenge, if you will, was to if if you were to look at it, and of course the evidence is piling up that they are doing something. They have certainly been looking at this for a long time because again, more and more evidence is 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 visible through through the you know the people they employ just simply uh, on that basis alone mm -hmm. but and the when you filings, see yeah <laughs> yeah the yeah. patent filings and 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 uh, the you know the code names and the leaks and everything but the thing is that i know the challenge is that you know there's this thing called micro out there and i'm you know you know it's out there i'm sure there's people thinking about it maybe the way you approach the question is kind of has a head scratcher and you say well i don't see how apple could add value here i think this is this is the most probable argument being made internally it's 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 a great idea but should apple play in it they, they say no to a thousand things remember before they say yes to one thing so they say they they, they look at a lot of categories one of the things that's also sort of also put into my uh, my my blog post is it's almost there as a sort of a, a control uh, experiment, which is the game console. The game mm -hmm. console mm -hmm. is an amazing computer. The, the game console has been around as long as Apple has been around. It's been driven by content, driven by amazing computational power. It's been driven by graphics. It's been driven by experiences. All of those things, right? People are passionate about games. And yet Apple never entered the game console market. And this is one of the things that came at me over and over again when I was 
doing uh, uh, Apple um, analysis where people are saying, well, why, why doesn't Apple do something? Or, oh, I bet Apple TV, oh, that's just going to be a gaming console, you know, or, or they, they should make a game control. Think how much better it would be if it, you know, competed along these new haptics. Oh, they're, they're doing virtual reality. Why don't, don't they do a, 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 you know, virtual reality gaming console? And there's, there's, what's interesting here then is also what causes them to say no to an opportunity that seems to fit perfectly. And I think the reason for, uh, and I think it was a wise decision because the console business, although it never went away, mobile is now twice as big in terms of revenue from games. Now, Apple doesn't collect those revenues, it goes through the App Store, but it's, 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 been, it's been a very, very much a disruptive. So, so you see, you see how again th there are things they they could have done. They could have done a TV. They didn't do a TV. They could have done a game console. Didn't do that. Um, they, they, you know, people said they should do a smart speaker. Well, they sort of did, but they actually made it in a very high end, more audiophile type of de device. So there's a bunch of things that they say no to. And the you know, question here is obviously they're saying somewhat yes, possibly, or maybe a big maybe on cars. But the thing mm. is that micro is there, you know, it's there and it's still growing and it's still, still kind of capturing the imagination of a lot of people. So I think, I think it's one of those things that fits nicely with Apple. But again, um, I, I'm not here to predict anything or to say that, you know, this, they're going to do this because it's unknowable if they would. But it, it's, it's, uh, it's just a, an, an interesting exercise to, to ask this. And I think we said on a different podcast how Amazon would, absolutely benefit from micromobility tremendously because it is about logistics and delivery. Um, but then you look at, at also Google and how they might benefit as well. They might, like you said, perhaps uh, the greatest idea ever with micromobility might be to give away transportation through micro vehicles in exchange for something else, like they do giving away all their services as Google does mm -hmm. in exchange for something else. And yeah, why not you can get the marginal cost right down to zero in terms of transport? Right. I mean, if you, and, and if, so, you, if you get the vehicle cost down and you can relocate the vehicles uh, with autonomy. And, and wouldn't that be like yeah. the most amazing new, you know, green deal of all time to say that, hey, the marginal cost of a mile is zero if, you know, you participate in this way. And so these are things that that big minds could certainly and big pockets can certainly pull off and it wouldn't be necessarily as expensive as some of the other initiatives we have out there because billions and billions are being sunk in um in autonomy now that's the next piece i'm going to be writing by the way you know what is, mm. what, is what is autonomy all about because autonomy is is a fight over marchetti's constant and that's what it comes down to you know autonomy and the reason or or as you know, by the way, they rebranded Waymo, decided not self-driving, but autonomy is the right word for this, for this uh, experience. And so the question is... I think they're is, trying to distance themselves from, uh, from Tesla, but yes. Possibly. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the idea of that, that, uh, that um, you know, they're all fighting over this one hour a day. And, and the question is for, for um, in, in, in the case of automobility, it's the only future for automobility is to redirect the user's gaze from the road towards something inside the vehicle. Call it the dashboard or the hologram, whatever it is gonna be floating in front of your face. But boy, they're spending a lot of money for that hour a day. And the, mm. the, the, phone, the phone took three hours, 
it, it, this is what's what's going to be interesting in the po- in in the blog post is that if you slice up the 24 hours that each of us is given every day, and nobody gets more and nobody gets less. Everybody gets 24 hours a day, and they always mm-hmm. did, and they always will. That's a very great invariant when you look at the addressable markets. And you say, okay, hours in a day multiplied by people in the world, that gives you what your addressable market is. And then you can start to slice up that 24 hours and say, who owns how much of which? So you've got your, your, you know, you've got your leisure time and you've got your work time and you've got your sleep time and you know, what's left over. And so people are fighting over the crumbs. They're fighting, you know, to, to a large extent, the television time, you know, is the leisure time. The, the TV took it and now it's being taken back from them. Then you've got the radio time, which is, you know, consuming in the car. That's really was what radio was built on is this, this ability to take the Marchetti's constant and, and allocate uh, attention to it. And, and so, so, but then you ask yourself, wh- wh- where did the time for the smartphone come from? Well, they actually picked it up in tiny fragments from everywhere. And this mm. is what's, what's fascinating is that the, you thought that the market was completely locked up. You had 24 hours. It's all been taken away. You've got the TV. And, the, and this is how in the 90s this calculation went. Because Microsoft, when they started with the Xbox, they were looking at saying, hey, we want to get in the living room because the PC is not there. The PC is in the bedroom and the PC is at, at the office. And so we, we own those spaces and times. But we don't own that space on the couch and mm. that time on the couch. And so they said, we got to get to it through the TV. And they said, we got to find a way to put a set-top box. It was going to be either cable box or it's going to be Xbox. And they chose Xbox. It was a big decision for them. They said, sp- still spent $10 billion trying to get into the cable industry, but they failed. Um, and so they decided to get at that uh, TV, TV oh, yeah, couch time. Yeah, I completely forgotten they did that. Oh, that they had a yeah. Cable, those... <laughs> that they had a cable TV uh, uh, escapade. And they wow. were, this was a huge question because Bill Gates was consumed by this question of the couch, the, the living room that they couldn't enter it, into, it, into it. And so to this day, you know, but then you could argue, fast forward 20 years and, you know, where's the space gone? Well, how, how is it that we found three hours to give to the phone? Well, first of all, they picked, we picked up 30 seconds here, 40 seconds there. So it wasn't so much that it was an immersive experience, but rather that it was a light you know, sort of grazing experience as opposed to an eating experience or a feasting experience or a gorging experience. It was it was so lightweight that it, it could happen in, in tiny fragments throughout the day. And they added up, in fact, and more and more they added up, the more they actually expanded. So I got you for, for so look at all these these phone-based media, like you have Twitter and now you have TikTok and you have you have uh, uh, Instagram and you had Facebook. You have mm-hmm. all these tiny things which are meant to say, if you've got 30 seconds, I got some for you that will you know, you'll enjoy. And then mm-hmm. as soon as you you're in for 30 seconds, you're in for 30 minutes pretty quickly. And that's yeah. how they did it. They did it exactly like the innovators' dilemma said they would. They didn't go head to head against television. They didn't go head to head against radio. They didn't go head to head against the the um, even the office computer. But everybody at work, you know that they're on their phone. You know, everybody at home is on their phone. And even everybody driving is on their phone, right? You know, that the, the, the phone ate us up. It ate up all the time from all the other places that we thought they were locked in. So now, when you see how, how pervasive, how corrosive, how, you know, invasive the phone has become because it's always there, because it's always on, because it knows a lot about you. Because of all those things, it consumes hours and hours a day. 
when there was nothing to give it. We had no spare time, and now it wants. And now with the watches, it's on 24-7. It's, it's always listening and it's always watching, so to speak. But then mm. you ask, huh, so what do you want to do with a car? The car is only in use for about one hour a day. And even then, it's like, you know, uh, w- most of the time, it's, it's already it's allocated to, let's say, audio. So the, the thing that they would have to figure out, and this is why all these hundreds of billions are being spent, but is it really worthwhile? Are you going to get your money back because all you're get, getting is an hour? Now, here's where Micro puts everything on its head, because the whole premise of Micro is not like we're going to make your experience so, so um, um, captivating on our scooter. Are you going to want to just like read a you know book or enjoy this amazing DVD? No. Mm-hmm. The thing about the scooter is like, hey, how about having a, a, you know, having some fun? How about getting a smile? How about just feeling good about the world? How about singing a song? You know, and and I I, I could imagine that that the scooter is not going to try to distract you from your driving skill, but rather to stop and smell the roses is going to try to figure out ways of entertaining you that are not exactly on itself. It's going to be about the world. And I say the design canvas for a scooter company is the, is the world around you. It's mm-hmm. everything that the user sees. It's not looking down at the scooter, which is, again, it's a completely inverted pyramid here. We're looking at the world completely upside down. Where our objective is not to cocoon people, but to have them enjoy the world around them. Our objective is not to dis- distract them from the world around them and say, hey, shut the blinds, let's just keep our eyes inside, who cares what's outside, you know, as if, as if we just want to, we, we, we want to have this, this uh, warp, you know, uh, uh, like in Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty, take me from here to there, and in the meantime, I, I want to be oblivious to what's going on. That is the vision of autonomy. I want to be oblivious to the world, whereas Micro says, no, I want the world and you to become one. That is mm. the difference, you see. And, and so if, if, you, if, you, if you approach it this way and you realize the potential, it is as smartphone as it gets. You know, <laughs> I just made up this word, but it, it's as much as, as the way the smartphone kind of subverted what we thought consumption was, subverted mm. what we thought time was. And, and and sort of the, the, the that's anyway that that was gonna be my blog post. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've now received a Ford copy of what is about to come out. But hey, look, I'm aware we're up against time. This has been brilliant. Uh, as always, love it when you get on a riff like that. Um, yeah, hey, thank you very much, Horace. I appreciate your time and, and looking forward to having you at Micromobility World with uh, with everybody else, hopefully. Yeah, hope to see you all there.